And, he, uh, and notes. So I could preach without the notes. It would be a lot shorter or longer. I'm not sure which. You want all want to try? <sighs> it's good to be here this morning, isn't it? I'm glad, I'm so thankful for the Thren family and the revival um, series or sermons we heard this week, and uh, I, I am jealous of Brother Mark, and not in a bad way, I'm thankful for him, and, uh, but uh, he can preach, amen, and uh, sometimes the messages are, 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 are a blessing, they're all always a blessing, sometimes they hurt a little bit. Um, and uh, I am thankful that uh, he was able to come in and that he had the freedom, to, that he felt like he had the freedom to preach whatever the Lord had him to preach. And uh, he was hesitant. Uh, Jeremiah is a difficult book um, not to get sermons out of, uh, but sometimes it's difficult to hear what it has to say. And uh, I, I praise the Lord that he came in with a, with, and preached the truth, but he did it in love. Um, and uh, so I just... Uh, I appreciate that, and I think the Lord, I believe God worked, um, and uh, now we don't need the friend family here for God to work. Praise the Lord for that, amen? Uh, they, they can play the guitar a whole lot better than I can, uh, but, uh, and they can sing a whole lot better than I can, uh, but, uh, and, and he can preach a whole lot better than I can, I'm fine with that, uh, but uh, the, the Word of God and the Spirit of God don't, don't rely upon the, the preacher, uh, the preacher is just a tool. And, uh, and so I pray that the Holy Spirit would be here with us just as much as he was with them. And I, and I pray, I believe that you, or I hope that you've been praying for the same thing. And uh, if, it, it, just an encouragement. If you made a vow to the Lord this week, uh, if God touched your heart in some way, uh, whether it was to, to do something or to stop doing something or whatever it was, and, and I know there were many decisions uh, that were made, I'd encourage you to stick to it. Um, to, to don't quit, don't back off, don't say, well, the Bible says it's better to not make a vow than to make a vow and not keep it. Um, and uh, listen, it's not that we shouldn't be making vows, it's just that we should do what we told God we're going to do. Amen. Now, Ephesians chapter 5, this is going to be, prayerfully, uh, as we continue on with this study, this Honestly, my wife goes, are you not going to con continue on with the, with the revival theme? God's really been working. Well, we talked about this the other night, but when, or the other, when a real revival happens, it stirs up a hunger for the Word of God. Uh, we, we, don't need to, we need to hear the whole counsel of the Word of God, and, and uh, there's nothing wrong with topical preaching. There's nothing wrong with taking bits and uh, uh, store, uh, accounts from here or there or different books, um, uh, but there is something about digging deep into the Word of God and, and seeing what God really has to say. Uh, how many times have you read Ephesians over the years? And, uh, and, and God, I don't know about you, but God has given me more as we studied through this book uh, than any other time I've ever read it. And uh, so I encourage you to, to study, the, to, 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 to don't, don't get caught up in, in those types of things. Just let's get a hungry for the Word of God and, uh, and then become obedient to the Word of God. And, uh, and I believe God will bless with that. All right, Ephesians chapter 5, uh, I'm going to read this. We're gonna pray, I'm going to pray, and you don't need to read it with me, but I'll, I'll read it, and uh, we'll pray and uh, see what God will, will do uh, this morning. It says in verse 1, Be therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love, as Christ hath also loved us, and hath given himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God 
for a sweet smelling Savior. Let's go ahead and pray. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for your word. God, I thank you for the truth here of your word. And Lord, all, all that we have already studied, there's so much here, uh, Lord, that would, that would uh, just remind us of the power there is in our salvation. And the power that is in the spirit that works in us. The power that is in the word of God, which renews our minds. God, I pray that this morning that your spirit would help us to see and understand your truth. That it wouldn't be opinion or, or, or my thoughts uh, that would be brought forward this morning, but Father, that it would be your word. And God, may you minister to us as you see fit. Lord, again, we pray that if there's one here today that's lost, Lord, today may, be the, may it be the day that they get saved. God, I, I, please, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We've been studying through Ephesians, and we've learned a lot. It's been, it's, it's been a blessing. And you're going back into chapter 1 of Ephesians, and, and it always seems like I'm preaching the whole book all over again when I do this. But uh, I, just, I, don't, I, don't want to miss, I don't want us to forget, because I want you to notice here a word there in that very first verse that we read. Be ye therefore followers of God. Well, anytime you see the word therefore, you have to remember what it's, find out what it's there for. Uh, it, it, what it means is, because of everything that you've already heard, Right, uh, Paul has lit, written a letter to the Ephesians, and they have covered a lot of stuff. And, and he says, because of all of those things, now you need to do this. Well, they have to be, rem- be reminded of all of those things. And so uh, just quickly, it's been, it's been uh, a couple weeks since we, since we did this. Uh, in chapter 1, uh, we, we see the, the plan of God uh, the, uh, of salvation for, for all of us. Uh, uh, it talks about how it was the, the plan of God worked through the, the work of Jesus Christ on the cross and done through the power of the Holy Spirit in us. He has made us to be accepted. He has changed us. We are not what we once were. I'm thankful that God, that God made, took me and made me who was not something that could be accepted or should be accepted, but he turned me into something that was accepted. When, when I got saved, God changed me. And that's what chapter 2 is all about. We know what the plan of God was. We know what he had said he was going to do. And in chapter 2, we see the revolution of what he actually did in the Christian life. The, uh, he took those that were dead and their trespasses and sins. And in verse 4, it says, it says but God, who in his great mercy with which he loved us, listen, he saved us. He made us alive. He quickened us. Uh, we were sinners. We were lost. We were on our way to hell. But he changed you. I hope so. If you were saved, the Bible says he changed you. It, didn't ma- it doesn't matter what your background was. It doesn't matter how far down in the dumps you were. It doesn't matter what side of the tracks you came on or whether the projects or whether you came from the other side of town where you had a swimming pool in your backyard. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you did. It doesn't matter what, what, what kinds of crimes you, you, were, you may have went to jail for or didn't go to jail for. It doesn't matter what, you, what people know about or don't know about. It doesn't matter what's in your closet. God can change you and take you from that and make you into something new. Now, make, make sure you notice this. It's not just that those things are hidden and those things are, will never be found out. Listen, it doesn't matter whether those things are found out. It's, it's that you're not that anymore. I thank God that I'm not what I used to be. But God has changed me. 
Uh, I, I've heard some great testimonies of the victories that God has given uh, to, to, the, to those that, are, that have gotten saved. And listen, uh, it doesn't matter what, where, where you came from. Uh, I've heard, uh, listen, I've heard of, of, of people who are alcoholics who are no longer alcoholics anymore. I've heard of people who were steeped, steeped in addiction uh, who are no longer addicted anymore. Uh, I've witnessed uh, people that were uh, controlled by, by, by self-doubt and, and a lack of self-worth and, and just uh, d- depressed and uh, overcoming those things all because of what Jesus Christ did for them. Now, if you're not, that's not where you came from, don't feel bad about your salvation. See, I wasn't, I was a good kid. And there are a lot of kids that grew up in church to get saved, and they think, well, I don't have a testimony like that. That's just not fair. I wish I, I wish I had, listen, you didn't get saved out of it. You got saved from it. You don't have to live your life in addiction to realize that God still needed to save you. I was a good kid from a Christian home. Grew, grew up in church, went to, went to a Christian school. I, mean, I was in church all the time. Not just, not just on, on Sundays, not just on Sundays and Wednesdays. But at the, Christian, at the Christian school I went to, it was Sundays, Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays. And if we had anything extra, a soccer game, I was there on Saturday too. Listen, I was there all the time. But guess what? I still needed Christ. Because it wasn't about what I did. It's about who I was. I was a sinner that needed to be saved. Chapter 3, we, uh, at the end of chapter 2, in the beginning of chapter 3, we begin to see some of the, uh, some of the, uh, the, the uh, things that Paul was teaching uh, the church. There were some new doctrines, some mysteries that were being revealed uh, about the church and about how God took uh, the Gentiles and the, the, the Jews and made, brought them in uh, together in Christ, that there is no difference between us. And I praise the Lord for that. We all stand in need of grace at the cross. Every one of us. It doesn't matter if you're standing there with a needle in your arm or in a three-piece vest. Brother Donnie wore a three-piece. I, I like that, Brother Donnie. I wasn't making fun of you. I hope you understood that earlier. No, no, seriously. I, I, you look handsome, brother. Even your, even your kid told you so. That's right. That's why he wore it. Good. Uh, now, I, I, now, I don't like wearing suits that much, so praise the Lord, somebody does. But anyways... It doesn't really matter. God doesn't look at my suit and say, well, he's more holy than the rest of them. That's not what I'm trying to say. He just looked handsome this morning. It doesn't matter. Those things don't matter. It doesn't matter what you're wearing. We stand level at the foot of the cross. Chapter 4, Paul says, or Paul is telling the Ephesians church that, okay, you really believe that that was a plan of God to save you, that he did make you accepted. You, you really say you experienced this thing, this, this, this transformation, this revolution of your life that went from, from dead and trespasses to sins, but now you're alive and you have an inheritance in, in, in all eternity. You have that. Uh, God is continuing to work in you and reveal things to you as, as a member and as a body of, of, the, of believers, a body of, uh, as the body of Christ. God's continuing to work in you. Now, if you say that God can do all those things, live like it. Chapter, chapter 4, verse 1 says, I therefore, prison, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation that you're called. That, that vocation is, is the calling with which you're called. What are they called? They're called to be the sons of God. And he says, you need to walk worthy. You need to walk 
fitting appropriately uh, as, as fitting a child of God. And, and it's important that we begin to look at, the, at the, uh, the practical workings of that Christian life and where he was saying to cast off certain things, to put on other things. We're to cast off or put off the old man and to put on the new man. And then we got talking about the, the lying and, and, and putting off the lying and putting on uh, speaking in truth to put off the stealing and, and putting off working hard and giving to others. Uh, there, was, there was some practical things in, uh, that we talked about. And at the very end of that, uh, verse 30, and it says, Grieve not the, uh, the, the Holy Spirit. We talked about this last, not last Sunday, but the Sunday before that, or the Wednesday before that. It says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God with your sealed unto the day of redemption. We are told that we're not to grieve the Holy Spirit. Uh, listen, any kind of sin in our life grieves the Holy Spirit. We say, well, what's, a, what's the big deal about that? Well, think about that. You cannot grieve the Holy Spirit or grieve someone unless you love them. In fact, that's what the grieving means. It's talking about wounding somebody to the heart. My children can grieve me. My, my wife can grieve me. The guy that I never met before, he, that cut me off on the way in here, he can't grieve me. He can upset me, but he can't grieve me. But the Bible says that we can grieve the Holy Spirit. And in our sin, guess what? We grieve the Holy Spirit. Those next two verses say, because of that, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. He says that all of those things grieve the Spirit. Get rid of those things in your life and instead replace it with this. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. We're to put off the, the, the fruits of the flesh, which grieve the Spirit, and we're to put on the fruits of the Spirit, the, the goodness, the kindness, those things that are, that are uh, the, the attributes that we would give over to Christ. Now, we find ourselves here in chapter 5, verse 1. I want you to notice the parental imitation that is mentioned here. The parental imitation that is mentioned. It says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. It's, it's, it's important to note this word followers. Now, when we say followers, we don't mean uh, to walk behind me. Uh, what he's saying is imitate me. In fact, that's what the, the, the Greek word means. It's, it, it means to mimic, to, to imitate, to, uh, to, to do as, as he does. And he says, the Bible here says that we are to imitate God. So how do we imitate God? We had to think about this, and there, there, is, there are certain ways that it would be really cool to be able to imitate God, but I can't. I cannot imitate God's omniscience. We were talking about this in Sunday school this morning. God is omniscient. He has all knowledge. I'm glad I don't. See, I wish I, I had a bigger IQ and a bigger brain and I was really smart, but I don't want to know everything. I don't want to know what you think. <laughs> I wouldn't be standing up here. I'd be running out the door. I, 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 don't know, I don't want to know what's in your heart, but God knows those things. I can't imitate that. There's, there's, I've got no way to do that. I, 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 I wouldn't be one who should be able to imitate his power. God is all-powerful. He's the creator of all the universe, spoke things into existence, uh, has the ability, and the Bible says in, in, the, in the book of Revelation, that with his mouth, just the words of his mouth, he's going to wipe out the armies of the earth that, have, that rise up against him. I don't want that kind of power. 
as, as I told him in Sunday school, I would be, if I had that kind of power, it would corrupt me and I would be a supervillain. <laughs> we have fun in Sunday school. I can't imitate those things. Why? Because I'm not those things. And, and, and it's impossible for me. I can, I can profess that I have those things, but I don't have any of those things. I cannot prove it by what I do. I'm not omniscient. I'm sorry, I, I'm not omnipresent. Jesus said, lo, I am with you always. There's nowhere that we can go that God is not there. I can go to the highest mountain. I can go to the depths of the sea. Uh, I, can, I can go in the midst of a crowd and try to hide myself there. I can, go into, I can go into a closet and pull the door shut behind me and try to hide there. Guess what? God will always find me. God found Jonah in the belly of a whale. In fact, he put him there. <laughs> but that's God. That's not me. You get outside of my sight, I don't know where you're at. <laughs> my, my, my kids are great at hide and seek. If I was omnipresent, there's no way they could, get, they, they could win. But somehow, Zeke hides himself in places that I never find. He is amazing at hide and seek. I can't, I can't do those things. But there are some things that I can imitate. And those things that God has sh sh is showing us here, I am to imitate. First, I want you to notice here the personal directive he says, be ye. The word be means to become. It doesn't mean I want you to do this. I want you to be this. There's a difference. It's, he's saying, I don't want you just to, to, to act like this. I don't want you to just do certain things, but I want you to become this. Now listen, I can't become anything by myself. What do I need to be able to become anything? To grow as a Christian, to mature, to become more like Christ? Well, it's going back to, going back to what we, what we uh, talked about the last couple of weeks. Uh, there in chapter 4, uh, it says to put off the old man. But before it says to put on the new man, it says to renew our minds. I need the word of God and I need the spirit of God to work in me to make me more and more like Jesus Christ. Just like Philippians chapter 1 tells us in verse 6, that, that he which has begun a good work in me will perform until the day of Jesus Christ. Uh, he's making me to become something that I wasn't before, but he's not done with me yet. He, 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 so here he says, be ye. So brother Frank, that means you. Many times we look at this and say, well, I, I can certainly look at so-and-so ought to follow Jesus better. That, that, that pastor's wife, Miss Jess, she should follow Jesus better. Those deacons, boy, Sunday school teachers, any one of us. It's easy to say, look at somebody else's, they should follow Jesus better. Better off get your eyes off other people and put your eyes on your own feet and see where you're walking. Be ye. You. This is a personal directive to you. Yes, it, yes, it is written to the church at Ephesus. It's, it, it's, a, it's a broad written letter, but, but just, because, just because it's broad doesn't mean it doesn't touch you. 
It's meant for every single one of us that we are to be followers, that we are to be imitators of Jesus Christ. This, 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 this is a, a personal directive to you. We, 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 we need to get off looking at everybody else at where they're walking and what they're doing. Now, that doesn't mean if we see a brother in sin, you don't go to that brother. But first, the Bible says, what do we do? We look at ourselves first. Take that, that, that beam out of our eye, didn't Jesus say? Before we look at the moat in somebody else's. I'm not saying we're not to bear one another's burdens. I'm not to say we're not to go to our brother in Christ. But before we do any of that, we need to figure out where we're walking and how we're walking ourselves. The personal directive. Secondly, the patterned deity. Be therefore, because of everything we've just read, all that Christ has done in us and is continuing to do in us through the word and the spirit. Be therefore followers of God. Again, that, that, word, that word, Greek word is nemetes. It means to imitate. Follow. Uh, we see that also in a couple of the passages. Turn with me uh, real quick to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. It's several times in Scripture. We see it twice in 1 Corinthians. So we'll just look there. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 16. Paul says to the church of Corinth, Wherefore I beseech you, be ye followers of me. Now, just to make this clear, he's, he's talking about imit, imit, be an imitator of me. He's not saying go where I go. He's saying do what I do. Uh, if it were if it were the go where I go, the church at uh, the Corinth there would would not uh, be uh, a, a local body. They would be a traveling body, because uh, because Paul went everywhere. Uh, uh, he went to to Philippi. He went to Corinth. He went to Ephesus. Uh, he, uh, he he went to uh, Bithy, he went all over the place and ended up in Rome. It wouldn't have been the church of Corinth. It would have been the church of everywhere. But that's not what it was. He says, "Be followers of me." What's he saying? Do what I do. He says, and what he does gives credence to what he says. Because Paul is teaching them to do certain things, and he says, now, now do what I've, I've said to do. Uh, now look over with me, same, same book, 1 Corinthians, look at chapter 11. And here he, he says it again, but he says it a little bit better. Be followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. So listen, uh, let, me, let me say this. Be a follower of me, but only as much as I follow Christ. Now, again, that doesn't mean follow me around. And listen, Christ, Christ is everywhere. He's, not, he's in heaven. I'm going to get there eventually, but I can't follow him there right now. So what do I do? He's not saying follow. It means imitate. Do what Christ did. Paul says, as I follow, as I imitate Christ, you imitate me. Better yet, just imitate Christ. And that's what he's telling the church at Ephesus. Be ye followers of God. It's a pattern deity. I asked Dan to put this picture up. If you have kids or you've seen kids with their, with their, with their parents, it's interesting how they want to be just like them. When I was a kid, I, I, I can remember my mom giving me this paper when I graduated, uh, or when I moved out, but uh, it was a paper that I had written when I was in first or second grade. It says, when I grow up, I want to be an oiler. You 
may ask what an oiler is. I didn't know back then either. But I knew my dad worked on the oil field, and I figured he worked on the oil field, so it must be called an oiler. It's not the guy who goes around and puts grease on things. Uh, he, he, he used to help, help set up the tanks and, uh, on, on the oil fields uh, that we had there in Ohio. Kids watch their parents, and they want to be just like them. I see my own boys now want to do the things that I do. want to follow in every footstep. That I, that I, I started walking. Uh, we, man, it, it, we've been trying to get our kids to exercise and, and, and go outside. You know how, how, how we've gotten to, to start exercising? They're exercising with me. You know where I got the idea? I watched them exercise with Jess, Hannah, and Zeke. See, uh, they, they, they want to be just like their parents. Uh, uh, but, but not every child wants to be like the parent. Here, here, uh, what, I, what I've found here on this earth is, is that uh, while parents uh, are many times given, and I believe every time, there, there's a, a love in their heart for, the, for their children, uh, we're human and we make mistakes and sometimes we just don't know, we don't know how to love maybe because we've never really experienced it in our own lives. And, and in that, we treat our children in a way that doesn't show love. They may be abused. Uh, we may be, uh, there, there are parents that are drunks. And, and I, I know young people. Uh, I, I know people that uh, have changed the way that they, be, that they father their children be, not to be a pattern of their father, but to be the opposite of the pattern of their father. My father was one of those. Uh, it, it, it's, so, so here on this earth, uh, we understand that, that, that we want to be imitators, but it's uh, that we imitate our, our fathers. But, but notice this, this last thing, it's as dear children. Uh, the, the, notice the demeanor there, the, 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 in following with the, the, the alliteration, the pediatric demeanor, uh, uh, these, these children, it's uh, beloved children. We're to imitate our fathers as a beloved child imitates the father who loves him and treats him like he loves him. And he wants to be like him. And he wants to do what he does and, and wants to follow him to, and be just like him when he grows up because you, 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 you picture him as, as something that's perfect. And then as we grow up, we see our fathers, they were just men like we are, right? But when we look at this, this passage that, that directs us to be an imitator of God, we don't grow up to find that God is not what we're supposed to be. We, we find that God is everything that we're supposed to be. Be ye a follower of God as dear children. I started walking with my boys a couple miles every morning, except for this morning because, well, I was exhausted because I was up late, and we'll walk this afternoon. And it, it, you know what, it, what encouraged me most? That's how excited my boys are to go outside and walk. Uh, Ezra the other day said, Mom, we walked, we're walking to the, to the church next time. And guess what? He made sure we did. <laughs> He's like, Dad, I don't want to just walk to the, to, to, to the waterfall. I want to walk all the way up to the church. And next time we can walk all the way up to the end of the road. That's three miles. Yay. I actually don't mind. I enjoy the walk. Because it's, it's, I get time to spend with my kids. 
See, if, if that's really what it's all about. As we, as we begin to imitate our, our parents, as we begin to do the things that we do, it isn't because we really value what we're doing or even understand what we're doing, but it, there's a bonding there. Actually, I was reading an article, a couple articles about, about how, how toddlers uh, will, will imitate their parents. And it isn't about what they're doing. Uh, uh, if, a, if a father, one of the articles written by a, a doctor and her husband had come home and, and, and he was on the ground, he was stretching, and, and the little boy gets down on the ground, he's stretching and moving his arms around. He didn't know what he was doing. Why was he doing it? Because he wanted to be just like daddy. And they created a bonding moment. They thought it was cute. They're taking pictures and videos and things like that. And but it, it, what it was, it, it drew them together. Can I tell you, there is a bonding when we become more and more like Jesus Christ. There's a bonding, an intimacy that, that we can that, that we can have with the Father as we imitate Him. And as we do it, we learn things. That was something else that they talked about. They, they, those ch- children will many times learn different things uh, because they begin to imitate their parents. Uh, uh, a child, uh, have you ever seen a little baby? Uh, uh, there's a little baby here today, and he is doubled in size. He is a chunk. As he gets older, guess what he's going to start to do is, as he watches mama eat. Remember that with our kids? Anytime you sit there with food, you're putting food in your mouth, you're chewing. Now, they're still dr- just drinking milk or whatever, formula, whatever. And you're sitting there, you're putting food in your mouth, and they go, what are they doing? They're imitating you. You see, they're, 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 it's, it's teaching them something. When we begin to imitate the Father, guess what? It teaches us some things. It's important for us that, that we take this directive and we take it to heart. Listen, God isn't just giving us a list of, of do's and don'ts. Uh, God, is, God is asking us to be imitators of, of him so that, we can, so that we can be like him. Now, again, it's, we're, we're to become this. We're to become imitators. We're to become, uh, uh, we'll get into the things that we're to become here in a minute. Uh, we're to become more like, like God to, to, to teach us things that draws us closer to him. Uh, but we to do it out of love as dear children, as beloved children. And in doing that, we're to walk in a few different ways. The first one is this. We are to walk in love. First, chapter 5, verse 2. He says this, and walk in love. Be therefore followers or imitators of God as dear children and walk in love. I mentioned this before. We, uh, it's hard for us to really understand what love is until we have experienced love for ourselves. The world has the picture of love. Uh, and listen, the world's idea of love is, is it's, it's, it's a cheap knockoff. There, uh, it's the strings attached as long as whatever that bug is gets out of my face. Uh, it's, a cheap, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a cheap uh, knockoff of, of, of the, the, the pure love of, of God. God's love is pure. God's love is perfect. There are no strings attached. He loves us despite ourselves. Uh, uh, listen, uh, we talk about this. I love you. Uh, I love you uh, even though you are this way, but don't get on my nerves too much or I won't love you anymore. Oh, I fell in love with him so hard, so fast. Love isn't uh, something you fall in and out of. Emotions. When we allow our emotions to control us, we can fall in and out of that fluttery feeling that we get in our, in our, in our guts. And our, our, young, our young boys are like, I don't know what love is. Girls have cooties. 
And the girl's like, I know what love is. Ah. That's not love. Love is an action, not an emotion. It's a choice. God loves us and chooses to be good to us. And we see that in Jesus Christ. He said, here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sin. Propitiation is a big word for payment for our sin. That's the love of God. And he didn't say, I love you, uh, but, you know, you're just too bad. The Bible says, but God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In the midst of our, our sin, our depravity, the, the, the worst thing that we've ever done, and all of it all combined together, guess what? God loved you right then and there, and there's never a time that God is going to love you anymore. Uh, he doesn't love you uh, more because you are acting more like him. He just loves you. Now, that doesn't mean we're not to act like him, because the Bible here is telling us that we're to imitate him. But, 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 but he loves us. We are to walk in love. Jesus said this, if you love me, keep my commandments. He also said this, we're to love God with all our heart, soul, and mind, spirit. He also said this, there's, he was asked what was the greatest commandment, and that he said to love your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And he says the second is like unto this, love your neighbor as yourself. If you do those two things, you've done. You've, the rest of the law hangs on those two things. It's, I, I, I imagine this hanger in my mind. You love God, and you, you love you love your neighbor, and everything else is kind of. If if you're doing this and this, you take care of the rest of it. And here he tells us that we're to imitate God as we walk in love. First of all. We see love exemplified. We see love exemplified. It says there in verse 2, it says, And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us. See, uh, we don't even know how to love until we experience the love of Jesus Christ. But we experience the love of Jesus Christ because, because he's given it to us. The Bible says this, uh, we love him because he first loved us. Uh, we, we need to experience it. And there is a world of, of people out there that have yet to experience the love of Christ. They're still sitting there and, 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 and just thinking that they're okay or, 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 or maybe they realize they're not, but not understanding the love of God, that God could even bear to love them. But he does. And we are to love God and we are to love others just like Jesus did. We are to walk in love. So what does that, what does that mean? To walk in love. Well, it's, again, that word walk, we've talked about this before. It's not how we walk because, well, that's just moving your feet around and getting your body from one place to the other. It's talking about how we live our lives, how we deport ourselves, or how we behave. And we're to behave in love. We're to, we're to act in love. The things that we do are to be out of love. Uh, the Bible says the love of Christ constraineth us. So Christ loved us, but we're also to love Christ, and that's to constrain us. So how do we love God? Jesus said it. If you love me, keep my commandments. If you love him, you'll love his word. And you'll love his people. You won't distance yourself from it. 
If you love God, you, you, will, you will want to be near him and with him. And yes, I know that the Holy Spirit dwells within each one of us. The Bible tells us that. The Bible teaches that in the book of Romans and all throughout. We, we talked about it already in Ephesians, Ephesians as well. But, but listen, I, I, yes, he, he dwells within us. But is he, a welcome, is, is he welcome there? Or is he an intruder? If we're saved, I really believe he'll be welcome. And if we're not saved, he's not there. <laughs> we're to love God. The love of God should bring about worship to our lips. We, we did a lot of worshiping this last week. We don't always feel like worshiping. We don't always feel like praising, but worship and praise isn't about us. It's about our God who deserves it. Ever tell your wife, ever walk in, there have been times when I walk in the home and I'm just tired. But my wife still deserves to be told that she's beautiful and that I love her. In fact, I made a, I made a pact a long time ago that I would, I would always, that I'd never let a day go by without me telling her that I love her. Now, I can say I love her all I want, but if I don't act like I love her, there's a whole different, that's a whole different ballgame. And we're not just supposed to say it, we're supposed to be it. We're love. Walk in love. Love exemplified is what we see in Jesus Christ. It's sacrificial. Isn't that what the Bible says? The, the perfect picture here, here, here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and gave himself for it. In chapter 5, later on, as it talks about how Christ gave, uh, he gave himself for the church, it's, it's a sacrificial love. So what are we sacrificing? If we, were to, if we were to walk in love, what are we sacrificing unto the Lord? Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. It's not talking about just that we give our bodies to God, it's that we give our lives. God. That verse I already said, the, the love of God constraineth us. It, what, it, what it talks about is if we love God, then, then our life, because he purchased us with his own blood, because he sacrificed himself for us, we'll give our all for him. Is that not what Paul did? Now, I'm not saying that we're to be example, that we're to follow Paul as an example. We're to follow him as he followed Christ. But, but isn't that what he did? Man, he gave up everything in his life to follow God and to do what God called him to do. We, uh, we uh, have, have plans and we have hopes and we have dreams. And we all have the American dream. You want the, you want the house, uh, the husband, the wife, the kids, the picket fence. You know, we all want that, that perfect picture of what life is supposed to be. But guess what? That may not be God's picture for your life. Are you willing to allow God to be in control of your life? To put apart, put apart that sacrifice Say, Lord, whatever you want. 
God might call you to, 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 to be a missionary. God might call you to be a Sunday school teacher. God, uh, young, young men, God may call you uh, to go into the, the, the jungles of Peru or Brazil. And yes, there are still people there that need to be reached. Uh, God may call you, uh, to, uh, young ladies, to, to, to be single and never get married. And I know, uh, listen, uh, it may be ex exactly the opposite of what you want. But if we're going to sacrifice ourselves unto the Lord to lay down that sacrifice, Sacrifice, our hopes and our dreams, our, our careers, our goals, everything. And listen, this, we're not talking just about kids, folks. We're talking about all of us. Because here in America, we, we work to retire, don't we? Not trying to step on any toes, but listen, what are, what are your hopes and dreams, and is that what God wants you to do? And I praise God for, for, for missionaries like Anna Marie West, who until she... Until she could no longer function as a missionary, she was on the field there serving the children there in, in, in Costa Rica. Uh, I said that right, right? Not Puerto Rico, Costa Rica. Praise the Lord, I got it right. Uh, until she had a stroke and had to be brought off the field, and she, they didn't think she was going to survive. Guess what her hope is? To go back. As she sits in a nursing home trying to recover and get uh, moving back to the one side of her body. Her desire isn't to be there. Her desire isn't to be here where it's comfortable, where she can rest for the rest of her days and, and be treated with respect because she deserves respect. She deserves honor. She deserves what, uh, and listen, not that she's looking for it, but that's what she deserves because she has served God all of these years. But that's not what she wants. What she wants is to be back, what she, what she considers home. So whether it's your future career goals or your future goals of retirement or your future goals of marriage or whatever it is, have you laid it on the line for God? So God, whatever you want for my life, it is yours. Because we're to walk in love towards God. And that requires sacrifice. The example of Christ's love was sacrifice. Now with that, we're also to walk towards one another in love. We're to love God with all our heart, heart, soul, and mind, but we're also supposed to love our neighbor as ourselves. And we are to walk towards one another with a love that is willing to sacrifice. What do you mean? How, do, how does that work? Well, we see it actually very, very well in the verses before. There in verse 31, sorry, verse 32. And be kind one to another. That means be good to each other. It's sad that, that, that Paul had to tell the church of Ephesus, you know what, just be good to each other. <laughs> but then I guess you have to say it to us too sometimes. Because being good towards one another means that we don't talk about each other, that we, we don't think evil of one another, that we don't... I get angry at one another, that we don't become bitter with one another, that we don't allow strife to come in, but that we're each one putting ourselves aside and trying to serve and help one another. Be kind one to another, tender-hearted, compassionate is what that means. We, we all have weaknesses, we all have needs, we all have struggles. Be compassionate towards one another. And if we are good towards one another, and if we are compassionate towards one another, guess what? We'll be able to do this a little bit better. We'll be able to forgive one another. Even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven us. What does real forgiveness look like? 
if we're going to go by God's ideal of forgiveness, I'm certainly glad that he's not holding anything to my account. We say we forgive one another, but we keep track of all these things in our mind and account, and, and we're always waiting for the next shoe to drop so that, aha, I got you. I knew that was what you were really like. That's not forgiveness. Real forgiveness is, now it does mean forgetting. Bible says, the Bible says this, that God cast it into the, into the depths of the sea and he doesn't uh, make account for it anymore. But it's, that word there is not as, uh, it, it means it's not held to our account any longer. See, all of our sins were remembered on the cross. Praise God for that. They're paid for. They're no longer held to your account. You have been forgiven. God in his omniscience, all-knowing, hasn't forgotten anything. He just accounts it to what Christ did on the cross. He's not sitting up there saying, I'm waiting for you to sin again. We're all going to sin again. We, all, we know that. But when he looks at you, what does he see? Not your ability to fall on sin. He sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Praise God for that. So when we forgive one another, what does that mean? I'm just waiting for you to mess up again. Or, I see that Christ is working in you. And while you may not be perfect, and I know that from experience, Christ is also working in me. And I'll forgive you just like God forgave me. We're to, we're to walk in love. It's a sacrificial love. Something else I noticed that it is, though, here. This verse is interesting. It says, And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us. An offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Man, I've read past that fast, so fast so many times, I didn't really get what it was saying. See, it's done for us, but it's not done to us. Christ died for us, yes. But that sacrifice was unto God. It was God that had to be appeased. It was, it was, it was God who, who we had, had, had come up against and, and our sin was an affront to. Uh, he had to be appeased. That, uh, he, that, that, that we, we deserved to, be, uh, to, to, be, to, to die spiritually. We deserved whatever punishment God uh, would, would, uh, would give to us. Uh, the Bible says that that, that punishment is death. Uh, we, we deserved that, but Christ took it. How did we get reconciliation? Through what Jesus did. But we're reconciled unto God. So it was a, a sweet-smelling savor unto God. When Jesus died, it was pleasing. As hard as this is for us to understand, it was pleasing unto God because of his sacrifice. Now this tells me something. Very important. As we serve one another, because we love one another, as we forgive one another, as we work together in love, as we walk towards one another in love, uh, we, acts of service, acts of goodness, acts of kindness, uh, acts of love, as we do those things, sometimes we do it for the wrong reason. Sometimes it's because we want people to know about it. And we want that pat on the back. The Bible says that, that if that's the reward you're looking for, then you get it. But you lose out on the heavenly rewards that you would have had. 
Did you know that our sacrifice unto the Lord of service one another is a sweet-smelling savor unto God? Think back to those the, the back in the Old Testament, David. Uh, if you remember the, the the account, he's he's thirsty. They've been chased out of Jerusalem, and he's he's just longing for a drink from this well that they don't have access to because the enemy is there. And three of David's mighty men heard him say it. He didn't send him in there. He didn't. He didn't. Uh, he didn't say, you know what, you, you, and you. I don't care about you. Go get me some water. That's not what he said. He was just telling somebody, that, man, I, I just long for, for a drink. I want to be home. I miss being home and, and being able to walk down to this well. And they heard it and out of love for David. Man, they went out and they, they, they fought their way in and they lowered that bucket fighting the, 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 the enemy. And they, they, they got up the water and they, they ran out fighting on their way out. And they, they came and they presented it unto David. And Man, I don't know about you, but I would have been upset if I saw what David did next. You remember? He poured it out. I'm like, what? How dare you? But that's me. In my flesh, you know what he was really doing? He was pouring out what's called a drink offering unto the Lord. It was, it was meant to bring, he was so moved by what they had done that he realized he wasn't worthy to drink it. And, and what he was doing was saying, this is so precious, I'm going to sacrifice it unto God. And it was pleasing unto God that he did that. Now let's say those three guys had done it because they wanted a promotion. And they didn't do it out of love. You ever have somebody uh, come up and, and praise you or do something for you because they want something? They, uh, and you know what it is. The other, the other, the other day, uh, I, I, just, I was here... It's actually, I think it was Friday or Wednesday evening, and Ben, Ben Threm, I'd seen him do this to his dad a couple times, and he'd walked up to his dad because he wanted something from him, and he put his arm around him, and he said, hey, Dad, I borrowed the car. And he's like, what do you want the car for? And then he goes, well, I really want to talk to you, and they went off, and they had the discussion. I saw him do it one other time, and Wednesday night, I'm standing there, and Ben comes up to me, and he goes, hey, Pastor Rob, he puts his arm around me. I said, what do you want, Ben? <laughs> he goes, well, and he explained what it was. And, and, and he had every right to ask, ask what he was asking. And I said, absolutely, buddy. No, no worries. No. But that didn't make me love him any less. But there was a motive behind it. What's our motive behind serving the Lord? Is it that we love him? Because, listen, the only time that our, our sacrifice is a sweet-smelling savor unto God is when it's done out of love for God. How do I know that? Revelation tells me that. The Church of Ephesus was written, uh, was written here by Paul. Read the, the, the letter to the Ephesians. But, but there's another letter written to the, the Ephesians uh, found in the book of Revelations, chapter 3. John wrote it. If you remember, uh, they left their first love. The, 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 the letter says, uh, I, I see all the things that you're doing, all the, all the good works. They were still doing all the good works, but what had happened? They, they'd stopped loving God, their love had grown cold. See, uh, we're to walk in love as Christ's love. I'm so grateful that God's love for us does not run cold. It doesn't matter what I do, God still loves me, and he'll show mercy upon me. 
It doesn't matter how far I go. If I turn around, guess what? God is right there, arms open wide, saying, come home, son. But he doesn't want me coming home trying to weasel something out of him. He wants me to come home because I love him. We are to walk in love as an imitation of what God is doing in us. So we're to walk in love as an imitation of what God has done for us. We are to become like him. Now, we're not perfect. I understand that. We can only imitate God as much as we can. But it takes the work of God in us to do it. But it's a personal directive. Are you walking in love this morning? Y'all going to be amazed. We're almost done. Are you walking in love this morning? Are you here because you love God or are you here for some other purpose? I don't care if it's duty. I don't care if, 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 it's, if, it's, if it's because you're expected to be here. I, I, I don't care if it's just your tradition. None of those things are good reasons to be in church on Sunday morning or on Sunday afternoon or on Wednesday nights. While I'm grateful that you're all here and I'm not preaching to an empty auditorium or an empty sanctuary, uh, the reason that we come is because we ha should have a desire to be with God and to be with God's people. And if that love is truly driving us here, it'll drive us here as much as we can be here. If it's duty that drives us here, will come as much as we're needed. If it's tradition, we'll come only when we have to. And if none of those things are driving us here, we won't be here at all. What's driving you? Is it the love of God? Are you walking in love towards God? Are you serving, are you teaching your Sunday school classes because you love God? Are you doing those things because you love God? And as we serve one another, as we walk in love towards one another, is it really out of love? Or is there something else driving you? Are there strings attached? Is it really sacrificial? The church, the church, and I'm not, here he goes talking about money. I'm not, I want you to understand what I'm saying here. The church at Mass, the churches of Philippi are mentioned in, in the book of uh, 2 Corinthians as an example of giving uh, to a need that the church in Jerusalem had. And the Bible said that they gave out of their, they gave out of their poverty. Uh, the, the, they didn't have money to give. I'm not saying, come give me all your money, even if you don't have it. That's not what I'm saying. They did it because they first gave of themselves unto God. And it was for a specific need at that point in time. I'm not saying, be the, give us all your money, because that's what we want. God tithe unto God, absolutely. God takes care of the rest of the stuff. But it, all of that was done out of love. They loved God so much that they wanted to give of themselves. They loved others so much that they gave of themselves above and beyond. And yes, it was sacrificial. But God recorded it in his word for you and for me to read. Others gave of their lives. 
There's many different things in which we can give unto others sacrificially. Are you walking in love towards God? Are you walking in love towards others? God help us. Father God, I thank you for this day. Lord, I pray that you would just continue to work in this church, this body of believers. Father, I am so thankful uh, for what has already been done. God, I'm thankful for your love and your mercy and your grace that you have shown me. Lord, I didn't deserve it. God, you love me in my sin anyways, and you saved me. God, I pray that if there's one here today, that today would be the day that they would see that they have a need of salvation, that they would come to you. Lord, if, God, I just pray that you would work in the hearts of our, of our people. Lord, you know our needs. You know where we're at. God, I pray that you would, that you would have your way. We ask this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Heads bowed, eyes closed, just for a moment.